stories from around the corner and around the country. You're listening to All the Best. Proudly supported by the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Before we get into this week's stories, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that I'm recording from stolen Gadigal land and pay my respect to Gadigal elders, past and present, as well as recognise that the area where FBI Radio is situated, Redfern, has long been a place of storytelling, strength, resistance and resilience for First Nations communities. Hey, I'm Danny Stewart and you're listening to All the Best on FBI 94.5. This week, we're sharing a collection of poetry from Curate, a new spoken word event combining poetry with visual art. Later in the show, we'll hear some readings, but first, All the Best editorial manager Mel had a chat with Curate organisers Macho Cassidy and Tim Loveday about the project. Um, so can I get you to both introduce yourselves and tell me what you do, what you write about, something briefly about yourselves? Well, I'm Tim Loveday. I am a poet, writer and an editor based in Nam. I predominantly write about men, reality and uh, climate collapse. What is a boy? Does he get to the chopper with a Nerf gun? Is he they drew first blood, not me? Is he so cute he'll beat all the girls off with a stick? When he holds his breath, can he smell fear on the wind? What is a boy? Is he the space where a shadow falls? Is he becoming a night that never dawns? Is he the sound a tree makes in a forest when it reaches for an axe and hacks at its own roots? Is he the flinch before the collision? or two sides of the same coin divorcing. What is a boy? Is he a monster in miniature? The pause before that one joke, the laughter that's forced into a throat, future Mr. Fast Car, hot wife, big house, the nuclear center of a nuclear family in a nuclear suburb? Is he about to go nuclear? What is a boy? Is he a cry for help or a lectern? Is he a stadium filler or a troll on the internet or an insect on the factory line? When he looks to his father, does he see hero or enemy? Can he still tell the difference? Does it matter? What is a boy? Is he the time between injustice and a fist? Is he the growing pains of martyrdom? Is he a periscope that looks out of the womb and sees war? Is he an alpha or a beta or the marble left on the chopping board? Is he the soon-to-be man of steel, his pockets packed with ammunition? Is his kryptonite a country that can afford to lose him? Is he the prefabricated shape of a country in mourning? Hi, uh, I'm Macho Cassidy. I am a multidisciplinary artist that is mostly focused within the realms of poetry and expression. I like to say that I'm a performance poet more than a spoken word artist, but really what's the difference? I love to do stuff for the community. I love to go to different events, bring people up, help people work their words better if they can. I like to just perform. 
sometimes I wonder. I wonder where my homeland is. Is it here? Or there? Or somewhere in between? But I only wonder sometimes. I know that bridging the gap can only be crossed by those that are inherited. But for me, I struggled to hold on to that heritage. The ideas that most of us are blessed with. The comfort of not feeling like I'm meant to be somewhere else when I'm here. Realizing that thousands of miles away, adaptations go astray and what goes on between homes is unknown to most. The feelings I felt growing up was the fear of not knowing myself. See, as a child, I never felt more outside the box, not being able to tick when it came to one ethnicity. They thought that two was a lot. Not being able to cope no matter which side of the globe I was on, only half of me was accepted. Only half of me was accepted. See, I've always fallen within the cracks of the land I stand in, not knowing if I belong anywhere. Not until I realize I don't need anyone to accept me for the land is what gives acceptance. My home is where I've been inherited. Like the current of the seas pushes the water between the lands and my feet. As I look into the horizon, trying to find a reflection in the sea, trying to scope my homeland while I'm standing on the beach, I don't realize that I'm already there. Tell me about Curate. How did the idea start? Well, I guess me and Macho met through the spoken word scene in Melbourne. Uh, this was post-lockdown. Obviously, the scene had been heavily affected. A lot of the scene had completely disappeared. A lot of events had just, you know, dissolved. Yeah, that's true, yeah. I just moved from Ghana country and I was really sporadically putting myself into any poetry event I could find. I met Tim because I saw him at each event I was at and I was like, oh, Hi. <laughs> and then we became friends and we discussed the differences of page poetry and performance poetry. And so we wanted to figure out an idea to bring them together. So what we were thinking was to build and elevate a stage for people of both uh, fields and see if we can merge the crowds together as well as rebirthing the spoken word and poetry scene. Yeah, 100%. And I think we're also aware uh, of the fact we talk a lot in the arts of multidisciplinary practice and, you know, we wanted to see spoken word art being performed in spaces where art was being exhibited and responding directly to it because we didn't see that. We didn't see a Frastic series very much. Curate became an opportunity to not only showcase and exhibit um astounding and some of Australia's best spoken word artists uh, and, and page poets, but also an opportunity to uh, promote the visual arts. Do you have a date? Yeah, we have a date. So opening night and our inaugural night will be the 18th of January. We're going to do it on three month cycles and every three months we will have three poets come in and do three features. It will be 6.30 till approximately 9. We have some pretty amazing features lined up. They include Australian poetry slam champion, Ren Alessandra, the amazing uh, visual artist and poet and writer, uh, Eloise Grills, and uh, the absolutely astounding uh, Lebanese-Palestinian poet, uh, Haseeb Harani. That will be at Red Gallery in Fitzroy North. I feel like it, it's a really cool space to like start as our home. 
It's a smaller space than other venues that I've worked in, but it's got the energy of like, hey, we can do something here. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is this is gonna be our home. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's an opportunity for those poets to write responsive pieces to the artworks on display in the space itself. Uh, so in the lead up to the event itself, they will write one responsive piece uh, to an artwork on display and then we'll read it at the event itself, um, which is just an opportunity for collaboration across the arts and, and to promote the venue and to promote, you know, uh, visual artists. There isn't anything in Melbourne, to our knowledge at the moment, that is spoken word that bridges all of the gaps between all of those things that is still focused on the literary arts, but also aims to work with the art and the art spaces in which it's conducted. Yeah. When we first were planning this out, we had a lot of trouble because the gallery does rotating exhibitions. So we had to figure out a date in between where the poets were available to come in a few weeks beforehand to look at the artwork so they could write something ecrastically with the subject of the artwork in, in their minds and, and be able to like express it while we have the event on so they can point at the artwork that is on display <laughs> rather than it being rotated through and then being like, oh, well, it's not here anymore. So <laughs> we really had to figure out scheduling-wise rather than like how... Um, a usual poetry event would just be like, oh, every last Wednesday at the end of the month or every first Sunday or whatnot. It's, it, 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 it was what our biggest challenge was in, in really like concreting this idea of curate. Well, I'm excited. Mm. Hey, cheers. Success. That was Tim Loveday and Macho Cassidy speaking with our editorial manager, Mel, about their new project, Curate Poetry. You're listening to All the Best on FBI 94.5. I'm Danny Stewart. All the Best is a great place to learn the art of audio storytelling. Never made a story before? No problem. No experience is required. If you'd like to make a story for the show, get in touch visit allthebestradio.com. Up next, we have a special collection of poetry readings from Curate Poets. Hi, my name is Eloise Grills, and this is a recording of me reading Huge Sweeping Meaninglessness of Life with Human Body for Scale, or an excerpt of it, from my book Big Beautiful Female Theory. Thanks. Huge sweeping meaninglessness of life with human body for scale. When I was 26, I wrote a visual diary of my life for an online magazine for $60 a month. Now I have a record of some of the shittiest times of my life preserved like an ant in amber until the website disappears. When I was 27, I wrote a comic about my mental breakdown for a feminist website for $50 or so. The website has since disappeared, been scrubbed from the internet by the web host. I don't think I even saved the comic, so that is that. When I was 28, I also wrote for an online magazine. Humiliatingly obvious op-eds about sex, polemics I didn't and don't and won't ever believe in. I was paid $100 a month, for which I had to hassle the editor. I got my money in the end, most people didn't. The online magazine has now disappeared, fallen on the online scrap heap.
for this one I am grateful. I bequeathed my chunky period mishaps and sad monologues about girls in high school who, sh who coulda shoulda been nicer to me. I became a fleshy cog, one of one million desperate arms clawing at one million typewriters, squealing like a Philip Glass choir, the cacophony swelling creating the great American misery memoir. And I'm not even American. I have mined my life for stories, not so much like diamonds, but peculiar reams of rock. Flabby narratives without resolution or order cohered into shape by contour tights. I have mined my life for stories so much that I am running out of them. The cave becoming a wet and endless hole, guzzling up ideas and nuance. I am running out of stories like the drunk at the bar. I have run out of reasons to draw my body. I have drawn it naked, crying, fucking, masturbating, pissing, kissing, lounging, bathing. I draw myself to replicate the feeling of hovering inside slash outside myself like a camera, like a bee, anticipating and incorporating and magnifying all criticism. All of these projections overlapping and undulating and fuck dancing over one another like horny teenagers desperate for attention. Each time I draw myself, it overwrites some previous version of my body. Will I ever know myself? Will you ever know me? Do I stink of desperation? And if so, can I rinse the stink off me? I'll confess. I was going to begin this essay by writing about a session with my psychologist, Anita, who I've been seeing for the last five years, who in 2020, I just managed to start talking to about my body. I told her that I started weeping and had to go back to bed when I saw my stretch marks in the mirror. She said, what would you say about a body if it weren't yours, if you saw a picture of its stretch marks in close up? Um, I guess I would say that it was growing or shifting or changing or that it might be pregnant. She said, so when you're talking about this body, you're using neutral language. You're not concerned with age or weight. You're thinking of the body in flux, not stuck in one rigid state. Now, why can't you think of your own body this way? Anita was talking about body neutrality, but whenever I hear this kind of talk, I start spiralling thinking about Instagram influencers who promote the cheap ecstasy of body positive slogans instead of a mind. Because I'm dubious about it being revolutionary to have fat and exposed flesh and to forego a razor. Like, okay, we love ourselves. Now we can go frolic in a meadow like freshly lobotomized cattle. Moo, my name's Buttercup. Nothing to shoot for. No grit in our oyster shell to slowly worry into a pearl. When I was a kid, and for some reason I frequently got warts, my mum told me that if you had one, you should rub it on a coin and give it to someone, like you're selling them your ward. But don't tell them, otherwise the magic won't work. Does it work the same way with shame? When I was 27, I wrote a piece for a blog for $300 and then it went mildly viral about my body in all the ways I have come to hate it. It didn't make me feel better. When I was 28, I wrote an essay about my body in all the ways I've been taught to hate it and submitted it to a competition and I won $5,000. And it didn't make me feel better. That essay was the basis of this book, which plot twist is not making me feel better. In her essay on confession, Tell All, Edda Gnaiden worries about her acts of self-exposure and ponders if her pre-packaged vulnerability is an excuse for her to skirt over her deeper issues. I wonder if my oversharing functions as a half measure. I am worried that this is a way of pantomiming a level of comfort with vulnerability that I actually lack, she writes. Why then do I write confessionally? In order that I might enact the self? My mind had been steeping in the dubious platitudes circulating in feminist Facebook groups that we should reclaim our bodies by showing our bodies. 
that writing about the patriarchy can help defeat its ills, that writing your traumas is always and necessarily a soul-clearing catharsis, and that it never hurts. I'm Haseeb Hurani, and I'm going to be reading a poem called Salt Sore that I wrote last year and that was published in Cordite. The sunlight starts without me, latecomer to the morning sleeping through alarms chasing yellow glow while after it has turned orange, turned blue, turned black, tea steeping into its strongest self. I'm trying to change the way I look in the mirror. My face is squaring off with my body, a race to an end. I didn't see where it started. I have not been taking photos of my changing face because the screen won't do it justice. Angels show up at my doorstep. They tell me I need to leave. A pilgrimage to the seaside to find the skyline, watch the light sink into water, watch the water start at my feet. The horizon is a false finish. I have not been taking photos of my changing face, but my camera roll is a catalogue of melting skies that looked better in person. Skies melting, white phosphorus, one bang and two angels telling me to leave. My dad opens a new jar of jam and mixes it with a butter knife so that all trace of stillness is disappeared. One bang and expansion forever, one bang to start the race telling me I need to leave a pilgrimage to the seaside. Little windows in the tram walls filled with sand, otherwise it won't know how to stop once it picks up speed. One bang to start a race. One bang to start a race with no photos. Because I'm too tired in the morning, I forget during the day, and I don't like the light of the evening. On me, the heaviest part of the body is the chest. I don't see where it starts, but I know where it will end. Draining from where the weight is stored, little windows in the tram, walls that spill a secret. This vessel is not actually that heavy. You can take it anywhere. One racetrack ballasted by salt and sand. Sluggish sun seeping thick into concrete, tannin on a shoreline. Everything exploded, expansion forever getting bigger long shadows like aftertaste. My dad makes jam on toast and digs right to the bottom of the glass, scooping from its seabed. The sunlight starts without me because my chest spends eight hours settling and I don't have it in me to pick it back up. I'm glad there's ballast on the train tracks, spare sets of arms for the sleepers because the carriages are so heavy. I have not been taking photos I can't look back at beginnings. I wipe my camera lens with my shirt every time I go to take a picture, because if something can't be still, at least it will be crisp, burning from melting sky, one bang, two angels. I know where it will end, but I'm not allowed to see it yet. A pilgrimage to the seaside, one bang and expansion forever. I hear the train boom and run towards the railing, I like when the road shuts, rest my chin on the metal, stand at a false finish. A tower of salt soar in the landscape, greedy to see how it ends. My eyesight hasn't gotten better 
were worse in six years, but I can't stop buying new glasses. I'm trying to change the way I look back at the melting sky without becoming a tower of salt. Sugar pink clouds on my phone screen, jam spread sloppy. I wake up still in deep blue and watch the corners of my bedroom take shape, a proxy sunrise. Like walking the street on a full moon and saying, it's sunny out. The sunlight starts without me, and it only stops for the new moon. My dad puts the jam back in the fridge. The heaviest part of the body is the chest. I can't think back to where it started, but I know where I want it to end. Expansion forever getting bigger, becoming something else. 20% of the body is the chest. Yesterday, I ran the train tracks, fence closing in, ringing to mark the end of something, ringing to mark a last chance, sun setting, metal snapping, neck straight. I did not look back. One bang and the shatter of glass turning into sand. Ciao, my name's Ren Alessandra. I'm an Italo-Australian poet based in Nam, and I'm a past Australian poetry slam champion. I run WordCraft, which is a spoken word collective that hosts workshops and spoken word events where we honour our stories raw and in process. This poem I'm reading for you today is called Aftermath. I thought it would ache to lose you. I was working to never risk being without you, but so far I feel okay. Is that wrong to say? I really did love you. And the truth is, the way it crashed was the perfect implosion. Let the pain crater itself over there. A physically compartmentalised wound. I do not need to look at you. Not all at once. Not today. I'm yet to miss you. How does that just end? Is all art an illusion? Our breakup, breakdown, a self-contained bomb designed to splinter, explode on the other side of the world, and I saw it ticking down on an unknown timeline, the edge of the countdown blurry, as if out of my periphery. As we flew out, the nose of the plane stretched our bubble to pop, and colour rose leaked from my iris and out through our fractures. And I saw through it all. We have carried so much since the beginning. A foundation built on ash. I am so sorry for your loss. Then to be flash-fried in your trauma, to be sugar-coated in your crystallised tears, bears its own weight. Complex. Knitted. Quiet. It has traced the undertones of every light-filled moment and ballooned suffocation in the dark. I am so sorry for your loss. It's pounded its boots at every doorway. Its shadow so tall, so right, so sure of itself. Do you really think I don't know that it's so sure of itself? Do you really think I don't understand? And I'm still learning how to hold me still learning how to work alongside me and not believe I need to change. Why did your pain tell me I had to change? Why did you weaponize my truth against me? Why did you hurt me? I know. 
Hurt people hurt people. But hurt person hurts person. Hurt person hurts person who loves them. Hurt person who loved them. I thought it would ache to lose you. And I am so sorry for your loss. But I am not sorry for mine. What fraction are you? What fraction black? What fraction white? What fraction foreign? What fraction belonging? What fraction of you is you? What is what are you? School teacher said that I am mixed. So could I please list my fractions? Stand at the front, name every land in my blood. My fractions would be helpful for the lesson, she was quite sure. So when I answered her, she wrote my ancestors inside cartoon pizza slices on the whiteboard. Teacher said that I was a great example of fractions and I learnt that I am a great example when I am broken apart. So I learnt my fractions off by heart, learnt to serve myself in halves, into quarters, into eighths, in whatever suits your taste. Everyone likes pizza, right? For years, my opener was, I am descended from slaves and slave traders, so I make myself work hard. The crowd always laughs, so I continued to pit myself against myself, wrote essays on reconciling identities, shredded my tongue so badly I never tasted my lungs. My lungs are always together. My lungs hold all of me with every breath that only splinters at my tongue. My exhale is whole until I speak myself into fractions. One year, I date a New York socialite whose friends are rich and woke and white and woke white delighted that I am so diverse. They ask me for my fractions and I am well rehearsed and afterwards they are so hasty to demonstrate that they are not racist that they all talk about how much they love Obama. They say they are jealous of my skin. One says it looks like semi-sweet chocolate, another says dark chocolate. They debate about me without me. 40%? 60%? No one can agree on my cacao fraction. And I swear I have a strong sense of self, but the next day at the shop I stare a long time at the map above the chocolate shelf. Maps are just neat lies. And I have learned you can go to the place they call border, walk with one foot on each side. It does not hurt. I am tired of being pizza. I will be soup. No soup is half carrot, half potato. A carrot and potato soup is all carrot, all potato. I am taking the pizza knife off the table. Today, I hold myself with a ladle. Hi, I'm Josh Cake. And that poem can be found on my album, Words to Regret When I'm Better at Editing. You can get that at joshcake.com. That was a collection of poetry readings from Curate Poetry. You heard from Macho Cassidy, Tim Loveday, Josh Cake, Haseeb Hurani, Ren Alessandra, and Eloise Grills. You can find out more about Curate Poetry on Facebook and Instagram as well as grab tickets for their upcoming NAM show on Eventbrite. 
All the best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to elders past and present. All the best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal land in association with Sin and 3RRR on Wurundjeri Woiwurrung and Boon lands and 8CCC on Arunda and Warramungu lands. The All the Best editorial manager is Mel Chun. Phoebe Adler-Ryan is our production manager and our social media producer is Timothy Nguyen. Lydia Yosefova is our community coordinator and Madura Prakash is our trainee. Shining Bird composed our theme music and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network and were made possible by the Art Gallery of New South Wales and the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find our full archive of more than 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Danny Stewart. Thanks for listening.